0: Welcome to the Electric Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated entirely to sports and only sports. On today's episode, we talk US soccer, and here is your host, Ty Crystal. Alright, how's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Nice to have you on the show today. Obviously, as the intro suggests, we're talking some US MNT today. Uh, we're gonna talk about the game against Canada. I do apologize for not putting out the Martinique uh, recap, guys. I recorded it and then, for whatever reason, uh, lost it and couldn't put it out. So that's on me, uh, but I don't think (laughs) we missed a ton. Uh, You missed a ton from my recap against Martinique. It was a very decisive 6-1 win, and there was quite a few good performances, But this game against Canada might have brought us back down to earth with a couple of those people that we saw perform really well against Martinique. So uh, we're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about positives, negatives, uh, stuff that needs to change moving forward, obviously. And we'll go over some key events in the game. Uh, Not a ton of key events, I wouldn't say. But we'll also uh, look forward towards the end of this show to the knockout games and what we can expect to see moving forward, uh, what our path to the final, if that's still on the table, looks like, which uh, I have my doubts, so <clears throat> we'll see. So first off, let's start with talking about this formation. Uh, right off the top, people, there's a big problem with this lineup that uh, I, I noticed specifically. I don't know if any of you guys noticed, but I noticed Uh, DK and Zardes both starting up top together uh, that wasn't going to work that that was not a good idea by Greg Berhalter so there's a negative right off the bat for me on this one Uh, I just don't think these guys are too similar of players to play next to each other and that's why I think either pairing up DK with Jawakini or Hoppy and then Zardes and both of those guys like you know Having one of one of each of them would make more sense to start up top because uh, they're both different types of players. Like I think having Hoppy and DK start up top in a two striker setup would make a lot of sense. I think it would work a lot better too. So right off the bat, that was bad. Uh, I didn't like that at all. We came out in this five three two formation. Uh, so top two strikers, DK and Zardis, as we talked about. Leggett, Bucio Acosta. In the midfield, kind of expected, I guess. Pretty happy to see Busio get another start. Uh, We'll talk more about his performance later. We had a back three once again here. uh, Robinson, Sands, and Zimmerman from right to left. um, Excuse me, left to right. Left back Vines, right back Moore. In goal was Matt Turner. So, uh, other than the two-striker setup, I didn't mind the lineup. Uh, I was good with Vines being put in for... Uh, Bello from the last game against Martinique. And like I said, happy to see Busio starting in the midfield once again. So um, the game started off really well. I'll just go over some key moments here. The game started off really well. Obviously, a quick goal puts the U.S. in front uh, in the first minute. I believe it was the either the fastest uh, goal in U.S. MT history or the fastest goal in U.S. MT history at the Gold Cup one or the other, Uh, but I I do think, you know, fastest ever for the team. So that's very big. Uh, It was a nice bit of play, honestly, from Kellen Acosta, who I must say disappeared later in the game, but this was a nice piece of creativity from him that we don't often see on the offensive end. He's much more of a defensive wrecker at times than a creative midfielder. Um, But, you know, it kind of come off of him getting tackled off the ball, then recovering, Bucio looked like he was gonna maybe take a shot, uh, but Acosta instead just like lifts a nice ball out to oh, that's my phone. Lifts a nice ball out to the left side of the box where Leggett just puts in a nice low cross into Shaq Moore at the back post. Free run. Uh, you could tell that maybe Leggett was going for one of the strikers uh, and it ended up missing for whatever reason, and then Moore. Doing his job being at the back post, slots at home, uh, U.S. up 1-0 early. So it was nice to see. After this, though, it got really, really hard to watch this game, (laughs) especially for me. So this, a little more about the formation as the game started to go along that I noticed is that it was a back 5 in defense, and it was a 5-3-2 in defense. But when we had the ball, it was more of a 4-4-2 diamond look. Sands was pushing more up to a CDM, Busio would play more of like a central ten, or central eight, and then Lejeune and Acosta would be a little wider at these eights, uh, and then you'd have your two strikers set up and your wing backs bombing up the field. So it was a different type of look from. Essentially, we've come out three games, three different formations, every game. Uh, I don't like that. I don't think that's gonna really help us as a team, like be. Defensively solid. So we got to stick with one formation here and just move forward with that formation for however many games we got left in this tournament, potentially three. Um, the way it's going, who knows if we <laughs> will get past the next one. Uh, but, but I don't like the constant changing of formations. Like just pick one, stick with it. I think that's a big reason why this game was a struggle is because we were playing different formations. And sure, you can train that in practice sessions but it's totally different being on the field in front of opponents that are trying to get the ball away from you like it's it's totally different so you can practice all you want it just is different when you're in live play so if this is the formation we're going to go with in the next game then let it be that so I'm sick of these formation changes Uh, I did you know like the 3-4-3 in the Martinique game a lot better than this this just didn't. Oh, this just wasn't my favorite. So uh, let's talk about uh, other key moments. Was the 30th minute? Uh, we had a water break. Well, everyone had a water break, and it was just completely <laughs> it, that game completely turned around for Canada. Uh, their coach got into them, told them what was up, uh, gave them some advice. I think to help us or to help them break us down more. They started to play wider. They started to get more down the wings and be more dangerous uh, down those outside wing spots. Uh, We got lazy, I think, and we were really flirting with giving up a goal before halftime. That last 15 minutes of the first half was bad. Uh, From the U.S., there wasn't a lot of bright spots. Uh, The defenders played their asses off for the last hour of this game to not concede a goal. Uh, there were some very shaky moments. I mean, there was only like two dangerous moments, really one that I can think of. And it was in the 65th minute. Vines and, uh, combining down the left side and Zardis just totally, I don't know, kind of messed it up and cannon hit a ball. That was a shot, but they didn't record it as a shot, I guess. And it deflected off of Busio. I, I was like, man, this is bad. Uh, it wasn't very good from the U.S. in the second half at all. If it wasn't for players like Sam Vines and Robinson in that second half, I'm pretty sure that we would have got scored on, uh, and that game could have ended in a draw, or maybe we could even lost that game after growing up 1-0 in the first minute. So, honestly, there wasn't a lot of key events for the U.S. that uh, I need to talk about in the second half because it was poor. It was just... Lots of last ditch defending and lots of holding on till the end, uh, just trying to hold out on that one zero lead. And whether that was the plan from Greg Berhalter, or that's just what the players wanted to do, or Canada was that much better than us in that 60 minutes, uh, it wasn't good enough. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, we did hold on for the win, but we can't play like that for an hour. Uh, if Canada. If Canada was playing a little better, I mean, they were playing good, but if they could have gotten just a few more things to go their way in that second half, it easily could have been a 2-0 a 2 to 1 win for them with two second half goals. So, I don't know where our lack of desire to go up the field comes from, but I just feel like this defense uh, this team is so defensively strong and offensively creatively technically weak. That it's causing us a lot of problems. So, you know, this is where I'll get into my positives and negatives. And that's got to be, like, my first negative, is the roster selection really showed, like, Burhalter's roster selection really showed in this game. Very poor game uh, for a lot of players in some areas. Only a few guys I thought had good games. But I feel like this roster was not constructed very well from the beginning. And it's starting to show. I mean, we just don't have a creative enough midfield. We don't have a midfield that's uh, that wants to move the ball forward enough and try and be dangerous. And you know, players like Williamson that can do that on this roster in the midfield, he didn't even get in the game on this one. Uh, Obviously, you know, Caden Clark had his appendicitis and everything, but that would have been a big help to this team. I just. Some of me, like, not necessarily this is like the Olympic roster, but some of me does feel like this is like the Olympic roster, and I've heard a lot of other people say that too. It's just so negative in the midfield that I feel like there's no way the attackers are going to be able to score because they're being expected to make too much of their own chances, and it's just not going to happen. And when you have a team like Canada, uh, our midfield won't be able to work through that. So... You know, I'd like to see maybe a little different approach in the midfield because I don't think this was our best available lineup to go with. Even like I think that lineup against Martinique, well, some would interpret it as maybe the weaker lineup. It's still the more creative and technically solid lineup when it comes to attacking. This lineup was very defensive, with the exception of Busio, and it just felt like we were very lucky to get that first minute goal, and then we were just going to hold on. For dear life, and go for the 1-0 win. Um, so I guess that was a lot of negatives rolled into one. Uh, let's talk about some positive stuff, though. Positive stuff, the performance from Robinson, fantastic. Uh, I talked on the last show that I didn't actually end up putting out because I lost out. The um, the, there's this group of six guys at the center back position that are competing for um, for World Cup qualifying roster spots. And I said, you know, I don't think Robinson's really in that group right now. He's not in that group of six. Well, I'm going to stand corrected after uh, this game against Canada because it is now a group of seven very strong center backs that I would be comfortable seeing in um, the World Cup qualifiers. And those seven guys are John Anthony Brooks, Aaron Long, Matt Miazga, Mark McKenzie, Chris Richards, Walker Zimmerman, and Miles Robinson. I'd be happy to see any of those guys. I feel like our depth chart has, at least in the defense, has benefited from this tournament so far because we are seeing uh, some guys that we normally wouldn't see if it was a full-strength roster, like Zimmerman, like Robinson, Sands, even Vines and more. I mean, they've the whole back line has played really well in this tournament, and I'm very happy that we've been able to see that. So Robinson was a big positive in this game. I thought he played excellent. Uh, okay, and so we'll just kind of Alternate here. A negative was Busio's performance. He just didn't look like he was up for this game. Uh, wasn't really into it. He, you could tell that the rise in the opponent was a little tough on him, uh, which was unfortunate. Uh, positive, I'd have to say Matt Turner's performance in goal played pretty well. Uh, obviously, we'll get into more of the individuals and talk about them a little more in depth here in a minute. Uh, another positive was, yes, we did get the win. So, well, it was super ugly and I at times wanted to turn this game off and be like, okay, I can't watch this anymore because we just couldn't move the ball out of our own half. Uh, we did get the win and we won the group. And at the end of the day, I think that was the baseline bare minimum of what this group had to do. Right. I mean, I think the bare minimum is still to get through to the semifinals. So, win one more game, and I'm completely fine with whatever happens after that. If we can get to the semifinals, whatever. But uh, I, I think this was an expectation that we had even with this depleted roster. So, you know, it was ugly, but they got it done. And some of me does admire that in a way that they were did have the grit and the ability to get it done, uh, even through some very ugly moments there were times where Canada definitely could have scored that our defense definitely bailed us out on uh just because our midfield is weak and the center the outside backs are a little shaky at times um but honestly I just don't feel like we could have not won this group because as as good as Canada is right now they're not they're still not on this level of even this group of even our B team group I still don't think that Canada is this good? I mean, I saw some people be like, "Oh, Canada deserved to win that game." Did they though? Because they couldn't score. I mean, we kept them out. Uh, we have a B slash C team here, in my opinion, and they have a mostly A team, and they couldn't get through our defense and score with a pretty much B and C option center backs. So, I think that there's a lot to be negative about in this game. But there's also positives that we could look at if we step back, got away from the game a little bit, and maybe some of the coaching decisions, and just step back, look at this game in the big scheme of things, and we're like, okay, honestly, this is this is good. Um, we have to kind of take a couple steps back to realize it was good. But a win is good, and sure, I've seen a lot of people be like, well, if they had Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies on this team, uh, Canada, that being, the, then we wouldn't have won this game. Well, yeah, but if they had Canada and, excuse me, if Canada had David and Davies, well, we'd probably have all of our full team players too. Like, there are very few guys on this roster or that he were even on the field for the U.S. that are going to be in World Cup qualifiers come fall. So I don't really get the whole, like, oh, Canada with these two players is so much better. Yeah, that's true. They are. But we are so much better with all of our players, too. Like, this is not even close to our best lineup. And I maybe say with, like, three guys on this whole team would be on the 23 for the World Cup qualifiers. (laughs) So just think how much better we would play if it was our best players. And we still hold on and grit out the the win against a Canada that mostly has an A-team lineup here. And we have a very weak lineup. So, you know, I'm looking for the positives as much as I can. Whether you agree with that or not, you know, that's up for debate. Uh, Last negative I want to talk about. Jackson Ewell got subbed on late in this game. I'll talk about it now because I'm not going to talk about it later. I don't know why the hell he even saw the field. We were trying to protect the 1-0 lead. He doesn't help in the defense. Uh, We couldn't get our own half. He doesn't help with advancing the ball. And we were under constant pressure in the in the second half, and especially the last 20 minutes of the game. So what what is he going to do? Because he doesn't provide anything at this point for the U.S. So that's all I'm going to say about him early in the show just to get out of the way because I, the fact that Williamson was left on the bench really kind of pissed me off. So anyways, uh, let's talk about the individual players then. Now that I've tried to find some of the positives for you guys, and pointed out a few negative things. I mean, I'm sure there's more negatives that we can talk about, but I don't want to get too carried away on it. Uh, It was really, at the end of the day, just what the U.S. needed to do to win the game, get out of the group. Mexico won on their side of the bracket, so that means we avoid each other, potentially, until the final, if both of us can make it there. At the rate we're going, I don't know if we're going to. I don't know if they're going to. They look shaky against El Salvador. We've looked shaky against Haiti and Canada. I mean, they didn't even look good against Trinidad, so... Honestly, like, Jamaica's been one of the better teams in this tournament. Canada's looked pretty good at moments, too. I mean, I don't know what's going to go on in this tournament because Mexico and the U.S., who are presumably the favorites for this type of a tournament, haven't looked that good. (laughs) So I'm not really sure what to expect, honestly, because these knockout stages could do anything, really. I mean, Honduras, Jamaica, Costa Rica, you never know what's going to happen in knockouts. So... Let's talk about some individual players. we are starting goal, go through our defense, work up through the field. Uh, all right, so Matt Turner goal, he came up with what I would say was about three saves. Officially, they credited him with no saves. I don't know what they were watching, but there were multiple saves he made, I thought. And a great one in the fourth early on in the game uh, that he just brought into his hands from a corner, uh, a free kick corner type of thing uh, off of a header from Canada. Uh, The 46th, there was a terrible moment from Pines. He got a save. 48th, he got a save. Uh, I don't understand why he didn't actually get credited with any saves, like officially. And in the 94th, there was a shot from outside the box that he dealt with pretty easily. It was the last moment of the game, essentially. And, you know, a lesser goalkeeper might not get that one. So a really good performance from him. That was kind of belling out. He was kind of bailing out the defense at times for their poor defending. Uh, mostly, you know, I'm gonna be nice here. It was mostly Pines that was the poor defender. Uh, but what do you expect? I mean, the kid come on in a huge game, hasn't had hardly any experience, and you know, you just threw him into the deep end here. So uh, Turner did his job, kept the clean sheet. And I'm very happy that he did because he deserved a clean sheet against Martinique. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, U.S. has not really given up a goal in the run of play. So in my book, uh, Turner's got three clean sheets and perfect this tournament so far. So keep it up, man. You're doing great. Uh, With that being said, he looks better with his feet than he did against Martinique. You know, this is the big knock on Turner, I think. He's got all the athletic ability to be a good goalkeeper, to make shot sto- uh, to make great shot-stopping saves. But I'm concerned with the play of his feet. Right now, I think he's in the mix for... There's about five goalkeepers, I think, that are in the mix for this World Cup qualifying cycle at, uh, to be there constantly, whether they'll be playing or just on the bench. But he's in this group of five. Um, him, Stefan, Achoa, Horvath, and Sean Johnson are the five goalkeepers that I'm very comfortable with at this point. Uh, Sean Johnson less than the other four. But that's that's what I think Turner is doing, is he's inserted himself into this this uh, World Cup qualifying conversation. If he can play a little better with his feet, I think he might be there as a possible starter even. So we'll see. I mean, just him getting constant play time for his club, I think, is way big. Um I'm still not convinced on Stefan. I don't know what's going on with Horvath in the championship at Nottingham Forest now. Will he start? I don't know. That's a good question. They got a good goalkeeper from the Congo there. Uh, Ochoa, lots of rumors about him going over to the Mexico team and playing for the Mexican Federation. And Sean Johnson's old, and you know what you get with him. Uh, Well, he's not old, he's 31, but you know what you get with him. And I don't think it's quite as good as what you get with Turner. So. We'll see uh, if Turner can continue to play really well in this tournament. I might actually want to see him start regular. So there's definitely a conversation to be had about this goalkeeper situation. And I always talk about it way more than I should. But Turner is making the conversation, in my opinion, more and more broad and uh, deep every time he plays. So uh, let's start with our center backs. So let's talk about Robinson first. Robinson, I thought was very active in the first ten minutes of the game. Uh, he was stepping high. He was cutting out a lot of dangerous chances before they were even uh, like starting. Really, like he was identifying pressure uh, and potential danger really well. He was stepping up, knocking the ball away, uh, doing some great defending early on. As the game moved on through the second ha- uh, through the second part of the first half, I thought he stepped it up even more. I thought he played fantastic. He was taking care of everything. I mean, there are very there is not a moment I can actually think of in this game where Robinson put a foot wrong, made a bad play, really hardly did anything wrong in the defense. Uh he committed two fouls. I can't even remember the fouls though. Like I just and maybe it's because everyone else was kind of playing bad and he was so good that I remember his performance so well and took quite a few notes about how well he was playing but I just can't remember or can't really put a lot of times in my mind that he played bad in the second half. He was like one of the only good players in the second half. Uh, I think he was a big, he was a big reason why Canada didn't score. He's really inserted himself into this top seven for the, for the center back world cup qualifiers. I think that I feel comfortable with bringing him on and having him as, as a potential center back. So you know, it kind of feels like there is this... I mean, obviously Aaron Long is hurt, so that now brings our t- our number down to six. So I should probably keep saying six, asterisk Aaron Long with his injury. When Aaron Long's healthy, he's the second choice, him and Brooks. Um, I feel like Richards will be third choice, and then there's kind of a fight for that last spot. Unless we're going to play a back three and Greg is going to want to bring six center centerbacks, uh, then Sands gets added into this conversation. So, yeah, I mean... I'm interested to see what happens with our back line moving forward. I'm almost thinking that maybe we have the personnel to do this back 3 with these wing back type setup now. That I kind of see, you know, we got Robinson, Anthony Robinson, we got Dest that can play wing backs potentially. We get McKenney and Adams in the midfield. Put Sargent, uh Reyna and Polisic up top. Maybe run that 3-4-3 type of formation. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of coming around to that idea. So, uh, But I think it's because the center back play has been very strong in these last couple games. Well, all three games, so I think that's kind of why I'm coming around to it a little more. Uh, Sands, another pretty solid game from him. Uh, didn't do a ton noticeably wrong. Uh, then again, I don't feel like he was as noteworthy as he was against Martinique. Uh, he definitely connected passes and took care of pressure when he needed to. He stepped to balls that he needed to. Uh, there was a few shaky moments late in the game, but he did what he had to. Maybe relied on Matt Turner a little too much. But honestly, Sands played pretty well. Uh, once again, I think that I'd rather see him at the sixth position backing up Tyler Adams because I think that he can do the job similar or most similar to Tyler Adams compared to so far anyone else that we've seen play that six. I mean, Yule's definitely not going to do it. And I was kind of like okay with seeing him now I'm off that train. I don't think Busio can do that role as well as I was hoping he could. Not yet, at least. I, there's not a – you know, Otto he's really young. He's not playing very much at Wolves. Johnny, uh, yeah, I don't think he can do that. So I like Sands right now. And I think that he might be one of these guys that is putting in the mind of Greg Berhalter. Hey, bring me along. I can play multiple positions. I can play a unique role maybe even. For this team, and I like where James Sands is at. So, uh, Zimmerman, he didn't play very much in the game, so it's really hard to say. Lots of people think that that was a penalty from when he got injured. Uh, I disagree. I don't think that was a penalty. So, the only reason I think he got dragged down and was falling into the Canadian player was because the Canadian guy grabbed his arm, pulled on his arm, and Then Walker's falling at that point, and then his momentum is carrying him forward. And you watch the replay, you can see the Canadian defender turn his body into, like move his, but not really turn, like run his body into Zimmerman to create the contact as well. So I think it was fine that there was a no call there. Uh, I saw some people actually very adamant that that was a penalty that are even US fans. And I was like, I don't know what you're watching because it all started from the, Canadian player dragging down Zimmerman in the first place. So uh, Zimmerman played okay, though. I You know, his passing display was on early until he got hurt. That's my only note from him, really. So I, you know, more more on this later with the injury situations. So uh, let's start with the right back, Shaq Moore. So I thought he played pretty well. Uh, obviously got the goal, um, was kind of quieter after the goal happened. Uh, I think he just got into the defensive mode. They were trying to secure this 1-0 lead. He didn't do a ton noteworthy for me, I guess, after he scored that goal. Um, But, you know, he's making this right-back conversation very interesting because I don't know about Yedlin, and I don't know about Cannon. The more I kind of watch him, uh, his last couple appearances haven't been great. I mean, right now I got Cannon and Yedlin above Moore on the depth chart, but the more that Shaq Moore plays... And the more he's on the field, the more I kind of like what I see. So just more of a technical aspect with him that I don't think Yedlin offers. And maybe just a little better in the defensive and offensive side of the ball than Cannon. So I don't know. I mean, Shaq Moore's making this conversation for the right back interesting. And I'm glad that he was able to get this opportunity because I think he's, he's putting himself in a good light uh, moving into the fall. And it still is kind of amazing that he plays in the second division of Spain, but he's still very good. Like, you don't think of the second division of Spain as being that good, but, you know, it just goes to show you, like, hey, um, there's there's these guys that are in Europeans' uh, lower leagues that are still really good, <laughs> even if they're not in the top division. So, Vines, uh, okay, let's talk about left-back Vines. I thought Vines was fantastic, honestly, uh, in the defense. I'll You know, in the defense. So, before you come at me, for his offensive game, which I don't think was fantastic. His defensive game was pretty solid. Uh, I was really worried about how the U.S. would handle Buchanan. Vines did an excellent job against Buchanan in the second half. The Canadian coach switched Buchanan to the other side of the field uh, multiple times. They were trying to alternate him. I mean, I think he was one of their most dangerous players in this game. When he was on the left side coming at Vines, Vines did really good. There were moments where he'd step to balls, and get deflections or blocks, whatever you want to call it, Uh, he would be very conscious of where the ball was at when it was in the air. There was times where I was like, man, Vines is just all over the field on the defense here late in the game. And other than a few moments on offense that I would really like to improve with Vines, this is why I still think that Vines is a little better than Bellow, is just for his defensive stability. Uh, I don't know if Bellow's going to bring that much more in the offense compared to vines but vines is definitely going to bring more sorry i don't know if vines is going to bring that much more in the offense compared to bello but vines is definitely going to bring more in the defense compared to bello and so i think it's vines's left back position to lose moving forward there were just good moments from him in the defense and i'll give up a little bit of offensive power uh, that I don't think Bello really brings that much anyways. But I'll give up the little offensive power down the left side, knowing that we got a better offensive power down the right side with Moore, uh for a good defensive stability from Vines. So I thought he was like the strongest player in the second half. Between him and Robinson down that left side of the defense, they were, they were on point in the second half and looked very, very good. So other than that, uh, everyone else was kind of trashed in the second half. So the defense as a whole, uh, I got to give pretty high marks to. It was a bend, don't break situation. They didn't break. There were times where I thought they were going to, and they easily could have. But the defense as a whole played pretty strong in this game. And I said this coming into this game, that our game, this game was going to be won by the U.S. in the defense. This game, If we won this game, it would be because of our defense being strong, keeping Canada out. Strong center back play, strong goalkeeping, that's exactly what we got. Even one of our defenders scored the goal for us. So the front five of this team, I felt like were pretty non-existent for most of the game, uh, except for Legette and Acosta's small contribution, or contribution, however you want to put that, on the goal. Other than that, the defense really was the shining light, and that makes me happy because... You know that's what my position was, and I love seeing the defenders do well, and I love giving the defenders credit. So, all six of these guys in the back of the defense, including Turner and the goalkeeper, I'll keep. I'll include him with the defense. Great job, guys! You played really fantastic. Uh, yes, there were shaky moments, uh, and I know we haven't talked about Pines yet in depth, but there was a very strong presence down that left hand side. All game. So very, very well done in the defense. Couldn't be happier. Um, maybe could be happier. I mean, if Zimmerman didn't get hurt, I'd be happier. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Uh, so let's talk about Pines then. So Pines was a young, inexperienced player. Uh, he come on in the 15th minute. You could tell that he was pretty energized and ready to go because in that first 30 minutes of the game that he was in, he actually played pretty well. There were moments where he stepped uh, and rooted out some danger that I thought was impressive. And I was like, okay, I'm impressed so far. I'm surprisingly impressed is what I wrote in my notes. And I think that was a good description of his first 30 minutes. Second half come around, he made a couple mistakes. Uh, very early on in the first half, he tried to pass a ball back to Sands, like a little lofted ball back to Sands. And Canada was all over it. Turner bailed him out with a good save. Uh, I think that there was a potential penalty on him in the second half as well. Uh, And I think we kind of started to see some of the problems we have with Pines when it comes to him being a national team player. Uh, He's just not developed enough. His defensive stability quite isn't there like we saw or have seen from some other players around his age group. Uh, And I'll come back to this, and I'll keep coming back to this. I feel like Justin Glad even henry kessler are much who are like the same age uh, are much more defensively solid than donovan pines so you know i don't want to knock on this kid too much cuz he was put in a really big situation in a big game and it was unfair to him because i don't feel like he should be on this roster in the first place i think this is burhalter's fault when it comes right down to it but the kid was put in a big situation and he had to perform and there were moments where he did really well. There were moments when he didn't do very well. And we'll call balls and strikes here. Um, I don't think Pines is a, on the level of the national team. I think Glad and Kessler are maybe on the edge, obviously. Uh, but for what Pines needed to do, he got it done. He he did it well enough. Uh, he didn't... At the end of the day, none of his, his mistakes ended up in the back of the net. And honestly... <laughs> That's about all I could have hoped for with Pines coming on in a late, uh, in a last-second injury replacement. Probably didn't even expect to get into this game at all, if any, maybe the last couple minutes. But the kid put in a fine performance, so bravo to that guy because that's the hardest position, I think, to be in, is to come on for an injured guy right after The game has really gotten into the swing of things, and you are put in this big situation. I mean, he did well enough, so we'll take it. Uh, Do I want to see Pines more? Mm, Probably not. (laughs) Maybe in some January camps with just MLS guys, you know, because he's a fine MLS center back. Acosta, Leggette, Busio. We're talking about the midfield now. Acosta, uh, he was pretty tough in this game, I thought. For the most part, uh, he was... Fairly quiet, except for his goal involvement. Uh, Not much going on for him, though. I saw a lot of people saying that he was terrible and didn't do anything and everything. Uh, I think it wasn't that bad. I mean, Acosta, I thought, did his part. He played the defense about as well as you expect from him. He was a little more active in the offense, I thought, in the first 15, 20 minutes of this game. And then he wasn't. He did get subbed off at the 74th minute for Roldan, who was even worse than him, Uh, but Acosta didn't do a ton. Like Acosta was there. He played solid, I thought, uh, but he didn't play that great. So I think people are unfair to Acosta sometimes. I thought he played fine. Busio, not as strong in this game. Uh, I had high expectations when I saw him in the starting lineup. Very happy that he was here biggest problems though is he just uh well he is still quicker in decision making while he is still you know better in his passing ability and his range he's still young he's still small in his size and stature he's still growing up uh when it comes to the type of player he is like this kid's ceiling is is very high and he's still got a high level to play at one day i think um so we can't be too hard on him for this game but once again, caught a call balls and strikes here, and this guy, uh, Bucio, did not play as well as he did against Martinique. And you can expect that, right? Canada is much better than Martinique. But I thought he was a bigger miss in this game than Legette and Acosta, and that's disappointing for me to say because I was very excited to see Buccio. Uh I, I wanted to see him after that good performance that he had against against Martinique, and unfortunately, um, we didn't get to see that. Uh, another big problem I had with Bucio. And this isn't necessarily Busio's fault, obviously. But he wasn't taking the corners. He wasn't taking any of the free-kick opportunities. He wasn't, you know, no set-piece stuff was was his responsibility. And that's a Greg problem, honestly. That's a Greg Berhalter problem. And I think that's the wrong way to go about it because Buccio's, uh inconsistency, yes, on the set-pieces in the last game against Martinique are still better than what Legette offers. Legette just is, not, is a non-starter at the... Uh, at the corner, set piece, whatever you want to call it, situations, he just he doesn't offer very good service. But Berhalter insists that he takes it anytime he plays, and I don't understand. So I wish Bucio got to do that. Maybe that could have got him more into the game and a little more involved and more confident. So Leggett, uh, yeah, he had that nice assist. Uh, he got the captain's armband when Zimmerman got off the field, and. He did the corners. Um, I don't know. Legette wasn't very good in this game. I feel like he was just kind of there. Uh, so this is how I felt. So since the Switzerland game that he played, it just has kind of been this way with Legette. Is like when we played these lower-grade competition, uh, this lower-graded competition, like, uh, let's see, back in... March when we were playing Jamaica, Northern Ireland, El Salvador, Trinidad uh, earlier in the year, you know when we were playing those teams, Leggett looks pretty good uh, because the teams suck. He didn't, did he play at all? I don't think he played at all against Martinique. I don't, I don't recall. Uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't. So, no, okay, so he didn't play at all against Martinique. So we didn't see what he looked like there. But Leggett is just one of these guys where, yes, he is probably one of the potential world cup qualifying midfielders but he in my opinion and i've been saying this for a couple games now is he is an off the bench impact player that isn't really a starter for the national team the guy doesn't do as well when he's in a full 90 minute cameo and he's got to be an impact player from the beginning of the game and yes, this roster kind of forces the hand of Berhalter to play Legette right away from the beginning of the game. But I still think playing Williamson, starting Williamson, and then having Legette come in as a sub is still the way to go. So this is my view on Legette. It really hasn't changed since the Switzerland game, friendly before the Nations League. I think that's his best position. He's a very much of a borderline... Uh, World Cup qualifying player for me at this point. If guys like Williamson or even like Julian Green or Call were able to come in and impress before the World Cup, the World Cup qualifiers, Legit might not be in there. So I, he's right on the border for me, and performances like this aren't really going to help. I don't, and a lot of my frustration doesn't really. Like isn't really directed to the players necessarily. It's really directed towards the coach because I don't feel like he knows what he wants to do at times, and it makes our players unsure of themselves as well. So, you know, I'm not on this get Berhalter out yet thing that I'm starting to see more and more, but it's he's definitely not the best at evaluating the talent, calling in the right players, and then starting the best people that I can see, at least, right? And we all got different opinions. And, yep, opinions, as I've heard, are like armpits, buttholes, whatever you want to say. Everyone has one. Most of them stink, if not all of them. So, you know, I I know that we're not the coaches. I know that Berhalter sees different stuff in these camps and everything that he has that we don't get to see in the training sessions and stuff. But just from what I see on the field, I don't know if he knows what the hell he's doing sometimes. So, you know, I used to think that he is deliberate in some of the things he does, and he's kind of like this evil genius that is stupid at times, but at the end of the day, he's still an evil genius. And now I'm starting to come around to the fact that I don't know if he knows what the hell he's doing. Uh, The roster selection was horrible. Changing tactics every single game, terrible. Changing formation, can't land on certain players that you want to play. Uh, in the midfield, like, it's just it's driving me crazy. So I'm not trying to rag on the players as much as I feel like I am, but Leggette wasn't very good. Acosta could have been much better. Busio was poor. I mean, this midfield three was pretty bad. Compared to the defense, the midfield was terrible <laughs> when it comes right down to it. Like, comparing them is like an apple and an orange. It's It's not even anywhere close to the same thing, right? So, because one was so bad and one was pretty good. Um, But I feel like the tactics and the roster selection, that's what's killing this team right now. It's not necessarily the personnel. um, It's the coach selecting bad players to play with each other. So, it really sucked that King Clark wasn't able to come in. And, you know, we'll talk about this injury thing coming up later in the show. So, uh, let's talk about Zardis and DK. I don't understand why they even played. They were... Like, together. Like, I understand why they played. I don't understand why they were in this game together. Uh, It didn't look very good. They're too much of the... Like, they're too similar. They both have heavy first touches. They're both technically, like, not very good. I think Zardis actually played better than DK in this game. Just for the fact that he got on the ball more, he was trying a little more. Like there was, there was effort from both these guys, but I feel like Zardis was still playing better, uh, which I didn't expect to come away with that impression. Um, DK just didn't impress me today. Like he was sloppy on his first moves. He wasn't finding the space as well. I think having those two guys up there together, trying to run into spaces or hold the ball up, like they didn't really know how to play with each other because. Hello, we haven't done this. Freaking Burhalter is driving me insane. What is he doing? Um, like we're gonna change a formation before the biggest game of the tournament for the third time now in this tournament. And yeah, you guys go figure it out in live play. And like I've said this, I don't, I don't care to win the Gold Cup this time because it's really about the World Cup qualifiers. But when I say I don't care about winning the Gold Cup, it's mostly like symbolic. Like, well, hell yeah, I want to win this thing. Of course, I want him to win, and it's like Burhalter's taking this thing too serious. This tournament as being an experimental process too serious. What's he doing? <laughs> choose a formation, choose some players, be done with it. <laughs> but no, no, he can't. Uh, when you play the same type of strikers up top, it's just not. It's just not gonna work. I. Why wasn't Hoppy in earlier or playing more? Uh, I would rather seen, for this game, I guess I probably would have rather seen Zardis and Hoppy play up there just based on what I saw after the game Uh, because DK wasn't that great, but it is not very good. I'll I'll say that. Um, This two-striker setup, don't love it. Uh, I would be open to seeing it again in the next game if it's not these two starting up top. If it's DK and Hoppy cool if it's Zardis and Jaokini even maybe Hoppy and Jaokini together might be better than this because this was not gonna work it didn't work and I came away just being like huh I was actually right about something because usually when I look at the the lineup I'll be like I don't think that's gonna work and then and then it proves me wrong and I'm like good thing I know to do a preview show (laughs) um but I was just like this wasn't good so Another thing of note for these two strikers uh, when we talk about DK especially uh he hurt his shoulder which uh, I'm kind of nervous about that one I hope he's okay. It was in the 81st minute. It was from a foul that he like he got hit in the face but then he like sold it too much and fell on the ground grabbing his face and then he hurt his sh- like he landed on his shoulder, hurt his shoulder. <laughs> and I'm like don't do that. Like this is where flopping is dangerous because it can hurt you. So hope DK is okay. We'll have to see moving forward though. I don't, I don't necessarily know if I've seen anything conclusive about that. So let's talk about the subs. Uh, I already said, I'm not going to talk about Yule. I already said what I want to shouldn't even, he is no longer on the rosters moving forward. And it won't surprise me when he's on our World Cup qualifying rosters. Can't wait for it. Uh, all right, let's talk about Cannon. So Cannon didn't play super well. I didn't think in the short amount of time he was on. He come on in the 58th for more. Uh, his defense was okay. He was non-existent in the offense. Uh, for for him having a hamstring problem or something, he didn't look injured at all. I will say that uh, he looked like he was up to full speed and, and playing okay. Obviously, I don't think he's fully backed because if he was, he probably would have started this game, I think. Um, but Cannon didn't do much different than Moore did before Moore came off in the second half. I mean, there's times in this in the game that I look at Cannon and I think, okay, I don't know if his defense is as good as it used to be when he was playing in Dallas. Like For whatever reason, I feel like this move to Boa Vista has kind of messed him up uh, in some ways because... Boavista is not that much better than a place like FC Dallas, probably. Like, one of the worst teams in the Portuguese league is probably not that much different than playing on a FC Dallas in an MLS. So, Cannon's got to get out of Boa Vista to begin with. But uh, in the 30 minutes he was on, I thought he looked fine. I thought he did okay. Uh, wasn't fantastic. Moore probably did just about as much as him. So, we'll see uh, what moves... what. Berhalter decides to do moving forward with this right back position uh, in the rest of this tournament, however much longer we have left. Uh, so we got three subs at the 74th, not talking about the one. Hoppy and Roldan come on. Zardes, Acosta, Busio off the field. Uh, so Hoppy, I thought, was good late in the game. Uh, it was a very good sub from Burhalter. Uh, it was a spark that we needed about 15, 10, 15 minutes earlier, honestly. Like, I don't know why he waited till the 75th minute to bring in subs. Um, My general idea of subs is like, you really want to bring on some impact subs around the hour mark most of the time. Most of the time. When I watch RSL uh, and MLS, I'm always like, okay, that hour mark hits, you got to bring on the subs. So I kind of feel like that's a good principle to have for most teams in most situations. Uh, This was way too late on the subs. And while Hoppy was like a bright spot in the second half in the attack, it just felt like it was too little, too late. And yes, we did hold on. But I feel like maybe if Hoppy come on earlier and played a little more in this game, he might have a bigger impact. And that game might look a little different towards the end because his creativity and his on the ball skill, much better than Zardis, And I think he'd partner with DK much better, obviously, as we've already talked about. Roldon, uh, this pisses me off, dude. Like, I wanted to see Roldan in this tournament, okay? Because his start to the MLS season has been fantastic. Like, average statistics played out, he's the best midfielder, attacking midfielder, like more advanced midfielder, in the MLS right now. He's playing on a really high level with Seattle, and I was very excited to see him in this camp, in this roster, because I was like, okay, I, I want to see what he can do. Uh, I've been very down on Roldan. I was wanting to give him another chance, and Berhalter is insisting on playing him in this right wing position or some shit. What is he doing? Like, Roldan is very effective in the midfield this season for Seattle. So what are we going to do? We're going to play him on the wing because we didn't actually bring any wingers. (laughs) The, The level of absolute... Craziness from this coach in this game uh blows me away. No Williamson brings on the, Roldan to play out wide. <laughs> I, like he went back to the 3-4-3 late in the game for the last 15 minutes. We like changed the formation again. What the hell? <laughs> so if you haven't figured it out, Roldan didn't look very good. Uh, I don't really think this is a Rodon problem. A lot of people are crapping on him right now. Yes, he didn't play very well, but he's playing out of position, guys. He's not even in his natural position. This one, once again, is on Greg. Terrible roster selection, forcing guys to play out of position. I mean, Hoppy was playing on the left wing. He wasn't really like a secondary striker. We changed his formation late on. That didn't make any sense. And I just feel like it's not letting these players that we need to look at and evaluate because maybe Roldan is better this season like he's playing at such a high level for Seattle that I'm very interested to see what he could do in the central midfield position with the U.S. in a tournament like this but no we're not going to see it because we have no winners and we're going to change the formation late in the game I'm sick of complaining about Greg but Greg you're not selecting the roster well enough forcing dudes out of position, and that's why Roldan looked like crap. Say what you want, but in my opinion, that's why he didn't look very good. I want to see him play more central. When he came more central against Martinique, he was more active. He was much more attacking-minded. He played much better when he was more central in the second half against Martinique. Why in the hell is he playing a right-wing position? Because that's like his secondary position? I don't give a... It... <sighs> okay. Point being, though, the subs were too late and they weren't effective because bringing on Cannon, Yule, Roldan late in the game, I mean, sure, I guess you held on. You were trying to get the win at the end of the day. That's what you did do. But we couldn't move the ball still. <laughs> so I don't really know why Williamson was left on the bench. Uh, I wasn't super impressed with that. And Jaquini I think, could have helped out the team more compared to Roldan, just based on Giawakini being put on that right side as a winger, right midfielder, whatever, compared to Roldan. At least Giawakini is more familiar and probably more suited to play that position than Roldan. So my frustration is not on the players in this game. It is very much on the coach. Uh, I That's where I'm going to put a lot of the blame. I just think it was very poor... <laughs> It was a poor decision to do a different formation. It was a poor decision to uh, start off with the personnel in the attacking half of the field that he did. The midfield is weak. A lot of this comes back to roster selection issues. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much longer Burhalter can pull crap like this and get away with it because he pulled crap like this against Haiti, got away with it. He pulled crap like this against Canada, he got away with it we're going to maybe play Jamaica or Costa Rica, depending on what happens tomorrow uh, in their final games. I, can he pull this crap again and get away with it? I don't know. Um, but like I've said, semifinals, it's a minimum. If they get there, I won't be super pissed. I mean, I'll still be mad because I want this team to win and do well, regardless of, of the situations or the personnel or whatever. But, I just don't think that you're going to be able to play a Jamaica and do this crap and get away with it. So I don't know what we got to do. I mean, is it really going to take us having the best team available to us to get this together and play as well as we did uh, against Mexico at times? Or is this what Burhalter is? Because I, I'm still trying to figure it out on some levels. Like sometimes I look at what Burhalter does and I'm like, that was that was pretty awesome. Great decision-making uh, I like what you're doing. And then other times I'm just like, what the hell is, like, what is he doing? So, and I feel like that's just sports, that's coaches in general. But eventually patience runs out, your luck runs out, and crap goes downhill quickly. So, you know, we're this close to World Cup qualifiers, people. We can't be messing around right now. I know this exper- this this tournament is, like, experimental, I, I guess, <laughs> Because for out it totally is. It's experimental. He's tried a different formation, different personnel. I mean, everything has just been off the wall with him in this tournament. So I guess it's an experimental tournament. Uh, I've said many times already, I don't care as much about winning this thing as much as I do at least getting to a certain point because I know the limitations of this personnel that he selected. Uh, but he doesn't have to make it this obvious that he's not trying to win. So... Because we're actually seeing some good performances from some people, so um, that's that's the next thing I want to talk about, uh, and then we'll talk about this injury substitution thing from Concacaf here. So there are so far there have been, I think two, maybe three players that have convinced me in this in this roster that they deserve a spot on the twenty three man team. Uh, if they were selected, I'd be happy with. And those two guys, or probably three guys, uh, and then there's some on the fence still, but those three guys, let's let's say three, are Vines, Robinson, and Sands. Not, not in that order, but those three guys, I've decided, you know what? I'm pretty good with seeing any of those three guys on the World Cup qualifying roster. I think they all have good shouts to be on the roster as well. Uh, as for everyone else, it's still very much in the air. Cannon and Moore, up in the air for me. Turner, a little up in the air. Zimmerman, he is, but at the same time, this injury might kind of derail whatever is going on with him. I, I'm i hoping it's nothing big. But, uh, everyone in the midfield, up in the air, except for maybe Acosta, but other than that, I, I'm not, nah. Uh, let's see, so yeah, I already said Turner. DK Zardes, yeah, they both got chances, but nothing solidified for me. Hoppy, same thing. I mean, there's just not a ton of other guys besides those three defenders or Sands being more of a, a six. I really want to see him at the six, honestly, like a just out-and-out out pure six and see what he does there. Uh, and, and then if that doesn't work, he could play center back as well because I think he's good at the center back position. I'd like to see him more at that pure six position. So those three guys I think are they're not necessarily locked up. I, okay. I do think that Vines is probably, if we are going to go with like for like subs, uh, in this 23 man roster, like we're going to take 11 starters, 11 backups in every single position. And then the third choice goalkeeper Vines is probably the second best left back right now. And that's not saying a lot because that left back position is pretty tough. Uh, Robinson, I'm still not convinced he's the starter either. So there are some guys making cases to be on this World Cup qualifying team, and that's very exciting. That's what I like to see. That's what I wanted to see from this group. I was hoping some guys would emerge as the, the hey, look at me, I should be uh, on the roster in the fall. So, And I think that we might have to have some rotation go on with the three-game windows and everything. So uh, I think that's fair to say that some of these guys – not a lot of them, but some of them will indeed be on those twenty-three man rosters every once in a while, or maybe consistently. So, last thing we're going to talk about: so, Concacaf announced that there's going to be this injury substitution exemption, or whatever I don't whatever they're calling it. There's going to be like an injury substitution thing uh, that the teams can take advantage of. Uh, there's been a lot of COVID t- cases, uh, or positive tests, or exposure, whatever from a lot of teams. Obviously, the U.S. really hasn't had to deal with that too much, so very thankful for that. But this is kind of also like, okay, if there's going to be exceptions for uh, injuries and COVID and stuff, then the U.S. might be able to replace some people on the roster. And the only thing that I hate about this rule, (laughs) even though (laughs) it is really nice, uh, the only thing I don't like is... It's got to be from that provisional roster that you put out before the tournament started, which, yeah, it makes sense, I guess. Um, But there's a couple guys that I'd much rather see (laughs) that weren't on the provisional roster. So when it comes to guys that might need replacement, uh, might need a replacement for them, there's a couple that we've got to talk about, right? Uh, Goalkeepers, no one. Everyone should be healthy, to my knowledge, there. Uh, right back position, potentially, now this is a, is a big if, but potentially uh, Reggie Cannon could be injured. You never know. Uh, I don't know if he'll be 100% good to go. Maybe the U.S. will be cautious with him and, and claim him as an injury guy and be like, hey, we want to bring in someone else for him, even though he's healthy but not 100%. Uh, and if that happens, you know, let's bring in Julian Arajo. If he doesn't want to come in, though, which he's expressed that he doesn't want to because he wants to keep his future open for Mexico, possibly, then Aaron Herrera would be my pick. Uh, the only other pick, really, is Kyle Duncan, unless you want to go with Justin Che, who's not really a right back. He's much more of a center back. So I would bring in Aaron Herrera. I think he's having a fantastic season for RSL. Uh, but Duncan's actually playing pretty well for the Red Bulls, too. So... Obviously, I think they'd be the backup, understudy, whatever you want to say, to more. Uh, but canon could be a possibility. So this is just possibilities. Um, and I don't know everything. Like I guess it's got to be cleared with CONCACAF people, higher-ups, doctors, or whatever, to my understanding, before you can exchange players or whatever. Which I feel like this, this is not something that they... De- like. This is something they decided mid Um And I don't know how much of it like the U.S. does have to do with it. But it kind of feels like one of those rules that some people, some of the bigger teams like the U.S., maybe Mexico, Canada, who have had some injuries said, hey, we got some guys injured. Can you, like, do something about that? And Konkev's like, okay, (laughs) Uh, we'll help you out. So another guy that could be on this list of potential injury replaced players is Walker Zimmerman. Uh, Obviously, he was not good enough to continue and which and that really sucks because I was really enjoying watching Walker play. He was playing great. He was obviously, I think, the best center back in this camp, and he was proving that on the field. So if we have to replace him, the options are a little more limited here uh, as far as center backs go. So Eric Palmer-Brown and CCV are two guys that you could call in that were on the preliminary roster. Both of them turned it down, though, because they both are wanting to stay over and get ready for the season. I think CCV's trying to get a move away from Tottenham, and, and he's playing with Tottenham in preseason. And then EPB, I think, is working on another loan move, possibly away from Manchester. So those guys off the table right away. That really only leaves you with three options, none of which I'm super jazzed about. Uh, but it's Justin Che, Henry Kessler, and Austin Trustee. Now, when you compare, and I say this because I say I'm not super jazzed about those options because when you compare them to Walker Zimmerman, all three of them are definitely downgrades. And I don't know if someone like EPB would be as huge of a downgrade as I feel like these other guys are. And, you know, that might be a little rude, but whatever. So with that being said, I mean, just based on form, I'd bring in trusty. You could even bring in Justin Che. Uh, but if we're going to continue this back three thing formation, uh, back 3 thing. This back 3 formation, you got to bring in a kind of competent center back there and I don't know if there's a ton of great options. So I'm hoping Walker's good. I wouldn't really love to see him replaced. So uh when it comes to the midfield, I think everyone's good in our midfield um that I can think of. I mean, I guess we can cross our fingers and hope Jackson Yule has like a, you know, slight ankle injury or something. Not because I want him to, but just because I don't want to see him play anymore. Uh, but I think that we should be good in the midfield. No one we got to worry about there. The only one we have to worry about is Paul Ariola and the wingers, which we don't really have any wingers, anyways. So, uh, But if, if we brought in a winger, uh, I'd say you'd either got to bring in Cade Cal or Chris Mueller, which would give you much more of a winger type feel. Probably Mueller more than Cal, of course. Uh, and then striker DK's shoulder. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, that could be a big problem. So, if his stroller's not good to go, uh, I'd like to see Pepe or Cal as well. You know, Cade Cal and Chris Mueller would be good for me. Uh, you bring in someone like Mahalovic or call to play on that winger type position as well. So, th- just keep in mind, guys, there are potentially four, maybe solidly three, Uh, guys that could be replaced on this roster depending on how bad dk's injury is to his shoulder and then zimmerman as well depending on how bad his injury was those guys could be replaced cannon he looks good to go but he could be replaced and i think if this rule does happen where you can replace players Ariola will definitely be replaced i don't think he'll he's ruled out for the rest of the tournament i think so and i say this as well because they're like uh the kind of conspiracy behind this injury substitution rule. Uh, like Chucky Lozano got hurt for Mexico, right? One of their best players. And they're like, hey, uh, can we bring someone in? And the U.S. is like, yeah, let's do that. That's a good idea. So this was definitely something I don't think CONCACAF was anticipating on doing. But I do, I honestly, I do like the idea of it because you got through that group stage. You just played three very tough games for most players. For most teams, if not every single team, was just through three really tough games. You picked up some injuries, you had some COVID exposure, um, maybe even some positive tests. You got three more tough games to go. Yeah, bring in some subs. Like I like it. So uh and I do like it because it'll benefit us <laughs> if it is indeed uh gonna happen. So we'll take it. But uh yeah, I think I think that that's something to keep in mind, guys. It's something that could happen. Uh, looking forward to our next opponent, it's Jamaica, Costa Rica. Whoever wins that game, I think will play the loser. Uh, but I think, as it sits right now, we're matched up against Jamaica because uh, Costa Rica is at the top of the group with six points on goals scored. Uh, so essentially, if they draw, then Costa Rica goes through and we'll play Jamaica. If the Costa Rica wins, we'll play Jamaica. If Jamaica wins, we'll play Costa Rica. So I'm personally hoping for Costa Rica in the next round. Of that <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I, I hate being the guy to be like, oh, I don't want to play them. But, uh, yeah, I would much rather play Costa Rica at this point. I mean, we saw what our B team, B kind of some A team players did against them. In that friendly in Salt Lake. I think it's a similar type of team that they brought, and with a few exceptions. Uh, but I think that we can, we could probably play better against them than against Jamaica. I think, I think Jamaica's kind of tough in this tournament. So I'm going to say Jamaica does win that game, though, and we end up seeing Costa Rica in the next round. With that being said, uh, it, is still unknown for me how that game goes. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I I have no idea. Uh, uh, I hope that these injury substitutions helps us uh, because this is this turned into a little messy tournament and for everyone, not just us. But Mexico struggling, Jamaica is doing pretty well, honestly, and that group uh, with Honduras, Cutter, and Panama, that is still up for grabs. That is an insane group. So. I'm very interested to see what we have moving forward. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for Costa Rica. That's what, we'll, that's what we'll bet on. And that's what I'll bet on, at least. And uh, I think we can get past them, make a semifinal appearance, and we'll just see what happens at that point, right? So, all right, guys. Uh, that's all for this show. Cross your fingers. Hope we bring in some good players for this injury substitution thing. Uh, we're looking forward to next Sunday. Next Sunday is our game against the loser of jamaica and can't uh, costa rica unless they tie then we get jamaica so we're gonna get on out of here hope you guys enjoyed the game even though it was kind of wanting to pull your hair out at times and uh yeah have a good rest of your day peace out thank you for joining us on this episode of the electric sports talk Join us in future episodes as we discuss all things U.S. soccer, collegiate sports, mixed martial arts, motorsports, the NFL, MOB, and the Olympics. If you enjoy our content, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or shoot us an email to electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening.